fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. And this morning, we are setting the table with a story of how urban gardening can join up with a nonprofit foundation from a rural setting to help change lives through agriculture. We visit today with Brenna Wright, formerly of Abbeyfield Urban Farm and currently of Knox City Farm, and now she is also with and now she has joined Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. Brenna is well known in the Knoxville community for her success in urban farming and making a positive impact upon the community with agriculture. And I want to feature her story to encourage anyone out there listening, wherever you may be, that you too can do this for your community. We also get to hear from Fred Sossman with his Potluck Radio series and how to make lemonade with North Carolina food writer Fred Thompson, who is the author of the book Lemonade. And I also want to share with you a simple recipe that can really make a body happy, a pretty simple recipe for sweet potato biscuits. Thank you so much for tuning in to the program today. I really, really appreciate your good company. Brenna Wright started her career as a social worker, and she felt strongly that if she could just get the people that she was working with outside, then it would help them greatly. Over the past several years, Brenna established two successful urban farms in the city of Knoxville, Tennessee, and Brenna has recently merged her current urban farm, Knox City Farm, with a foundation from Greenback, Tennessee called Century Harvest Farm Foundation. This merger combines her skills of social work with agriculture to make a positive impact in people's lives. And I hope you find this inspirational. So today we're talking about how you and Century Harvest Farm have now teamed up. Mm -hmm. For people that are maybe not familiar with your work, tell us your work with Abbey Fields and Not City Farm, would you? Sure, sure. So I started a little urban farm called Abbey Fields Farm in the Park Ridge neighborhood in East Knoxville. 
2013. And it was in partnership with a developer that owned the property of the Standard Knitting Mill. You know, I was in social work and was working at uh, Columbus Home for Catholic Charities. And then I was also working at a lovely farm out in Corrington called Care of the Earth Farm. And they were letting me work there for my food share. So I didn't know anything about farming until I went and worked for them. They let me plant crooked lines of things and still gave me food <laughs> and um, just taught me so much. When I was working at Columbus Home and working at the farm, I just really came alive and something just kind of clicked. I so wish that the kids that I'm working with could experience this in any capacity. And so this started my research into urban farming, you know, the sort of urban blight and uh, soil remediation. I mean, all of it kind of just started, you know, really inspiring me. And so I read about several different farms in Birmingham and Chicago, you know, that had taken empty lots and used them for food production. And so I went back to school for soil science, and um, in the course of that, one of our projects was to actually create a farm. You know, you you plan out the plantings, what you're going to plant, all that sort of stuff, and you kind of plan it on your dream lot. And so I had just picked that lot in Park Ridge because it was urban, it was large, and I'm like, if I had an urban farm, this is where it would be. And so lo and behold, I ran into the developer of that property, you know, some months later. You know, we were we started talking. He had come to our church, and we started talking. What do you do for a living? He's like, oh, yeah, we just bought this property. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've got, I've got plans for your property. I don't know <laughs> if that's weird, but, and, you know, they, thankfully, they were also excited about it, and they were like, let's try it. And so, you know, thus started Abbey Fields Farm, which is a for-profit urban farm. We were mostly CSA-supported, and it was lovely. We, you know, were able to have a market stand on site for the neighborhood. You know, we sold CSA shares. We made the area beautiful. Um, and so through the course of that, over several years, um, we got to acquire another lot in the old city, that helped us expand into restaurant production. So we just kind of sectioned that little quarter acre space for, um, and that one's also a community garden. So that was built by Randy Boyd, who had dreams of having a community garden in the area, needed somebody else to manage it. And so we came in and said, okay, if we can manage a lot, you know, manage the tenants, which isn't really management at all. It's just hanging out with awesome people. Um, You know, could we farm part of this for sales? And he's like, sounds great. And so that's kind of been how that lot has been utilized. And so... I believe it was 2018, the developer and I that had Abbey Fields, we ended up parting ways. That's a whole other story in itself, but I'm thankful, you know, that I got that time there. And so then I just went directly over to the other lot and kind of started a new LLC under Knox City Farm. And so had been doing that for the last two years. Again, for-profit, mostly restaurant sales with coronavirus. Last year, I ended up running a small CSA out of the lot just because, you know, my restaurant partner shut down for a time and that was really questionable, you know, how that was going to go. And so thank Hopefully neighbors and, you know, the garden members and, you know, I had no issue selling CSA shares out of that. So that was, that was really lovely. And so, yeah, that's kind of been my, um, my journey through urban farming. So it's been lovely. The city has been amazing. And yeah, that's kind of how I've made my way into agriculture here in Knoxville. How is it you joined Century Harvest Farm? How Knox City Farm and Century Harvest Farm are working together? Sure. So I reached out to Century Harvest Farm uh, late last summer. Um, You know, I spent two years just doing the the lot in the old city. I was a little tired after Abbey Field ended. And so spent two years doing that. But by the end of last year, 
maybe it was COVID, maybe it was just, I don't know, but I, I just knew I, something needed to shift. One of the big aspects of having an urban farm, at least in my heart and mission, was to be able to be accessible to the community, to be able to be like a good food source and, you know, beautify places, but also to have programming that could benefit, you know, the more marginalized folks in our communities. Being for-profit, there were a lot of perks with that, but one of the downfalls is there was never time to explore that sort of stuff. Of course, we were open in the city for volunteers. We had a lot of cool events, that sort of thing, but nothing that kind of stuck and that was long-term. And so I've known Chris Berger with Century Harvest for a long time. He had helped me cultivate both the sites in in the city. And so I just reached out to him because I had known about the foundation was super inspired, um, you know, it kind of just really struck at those those ties in my heart to, to social work and, and uh, recovery. You know, I've got family history where that, you know, really resonates deep. And I, and I just love, and I think that working with the earth is very healing on a whole different multitude of levels. So, so anyways, I thought if some way we could combine what I had learned how to do, which is just create these small scale uh, profitable farms, well, semi-profitable farms, <laughs> with the mission of what they already had going, I just felt like it would be something really beautiful. And so I reached out to Chris and said, you know, is have you all ever considered having a space in Knoxville? You know, is there any way I can help and be a part? And so with meeting with Jen and Chris over the course of several weeks, we kind of came up with um, a new partnership between Knox City Farm and Century Harvest Farm. Through that, I'm now the dual farm manager, so I'm I'm helping to grow their space in Greenback. So basically, kind of installing, you know, what Knox City Farm is, this quarter acre market garden in, in the city, out in Greenback, to where we can expand production out there, while also having a Knoxville location, so that we can connect more directly with Knoxville partners, Knoxville nonprofits that might want to send participants from their nonprofits to Knoxville, maybe don't have the resources or the time to send them out to Greenback. It it kind of felt like it would be a good option to have. So yeah. So that's so far, that's that's kind of the partnership. Yeah. I just love that you and Chris and Jen have worked together and to pull this together. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. Our guest today is Brenna Wright, and Brenna has joined her urban farm, Knox City Farm, with Century Harvest Farm Foundation of Greenback, Tennessee. Brenna teaches program participants how to grow food at Century Harvest Farm, and this combines her skills of social work and agriculture to make a positive impact in people's lives who are participants of the program at Century Harvest Farm Foundation called From the Ground Up. In this second part of our visit, Brenna will let us know about her new role and how Century Harvest Farm Foundation and Not City Farm work together, a description of the program From the Ground Up, which is offered at Century Harvest Farm Foundation, and also Brenna describes the CSA that they are offering for the growing season of this year that they are now in the process of signing people up for. So can you tell us your specific role now at Century Harvest Farm? Yeah, so I'm dual farm manager. Um, I, I help run programming, um, our agricultural programming out in Greenback as well as in Knoxville. You know, that means working, We our participants in the program, we call them makers because they're making 
all the beautiful things. We'll have makers come out and they'll help me in the garden. They'll, you know, we'll work in the greenhouse. We'll harvest. We'll, you know, all the things that you do on a farm. It's, it looks very farmy. Um, and so, you know, my role was kind of to help kind of put a plan to their garden space out in Greenback. You know, we introduced the uh, CSA model so that we can kind of have a structure for programming. So, you know, when folks come in and out of the program, they're, they're jumping into something that's already happening versus creating new projects all the time. So, you know, they're going to be jumping into, you know, kind of our CSA production and, you know, working with our chickens and our cows and um, all that kind of stuff. And so kind of creating a CSA plan kind of gives us a year long plan as well as additional revenue, of course, but also gives us a plan for working with makers and kind of introducing them to like small scale farming, you know, working with customers and kind of just seeing how enterprise can go in, in its various degrees. So. When you're uh, mentioning the program, tell us what that program is that makers are participating in. So it's from the ground up program, and it's a 40-day program. So they can choose to specialize in uh, one of three areas. So it's maintenance, agriculture, and culinary. In Greenback at Century Harvest, we have an, you know, an on-site commercial kitchen with a chef. And so folks can learn front of house, back of house, kitchen techniques, how to prep food, food safety stuff, all that kind of thing. So that kind of prepares them for, if they were, you know, interested in something culinary, it prepares them for something more than fast food, if if that's what they wish. We also have a maintenance program where they learn how to drive tractors, fix tractors, fix cars. You know, they're learning how to drive skid steers and bobcats and, and all this kind of thing. So that kind of opens up, yeah, a skill set that can be very useful for, you know, different jobs. And then, of course, the agriculture aspect teaches you teamwork and how to kind of care for something and how it can give back. Also, just how to plan a farm, how to plan crops, how to grow food on a budget that's healthy and sustainable for your family, um, and just gets folks outside and moving. You know, one of the hard things, and this is something I learned a long time ago with working with kids, is that, you know, not everybody's open to talk therapy. When they come out of trauma and addiction and that sort of stuff, they just, a lot of times there's not words. It's just doing one positive thing after another. And farming is that you know farming is is you're constantly engaging with life in different of its different stages and so um there's something just very healing about that oh yes (laughs) ma'am girl if i have troubles or trying to think something out i just go in that garden in an hour pulling weeds i feel better absolutely yeah because everything's engaged you know you're you're you, you can get into a rhythm you know you're engaging into the you know producing you know, something that's going to sustain you and feed you. You're working with the soil, um, you know, getting all those healthy microbes. You're in the sun, getting the vitamin D. And you're just, you're not, you know, you're engaging with life, which is difficult. You know, talking with one of our gals who graduated the program and now works for the foundation, I asked her what was the most meaningful thing um, for her working. She, of course, chose agriculture. And she said she was able to learn what real relationships were like because she, before that, didn't actually know, you know, what does it look like to engage in life? Sometimes folks don't even know what that's like, because there's just in such a cycle of, of death and despair and um, depression and addiction. And, you know, you, you reach for other things to kind of give you that euphoria, but it's not real. And so, but a lot of times it's like, how do you fill that? And so I think agriculture and just, you know, relationships coming out, teamwork building, all that kind of stuff slowly starts filling that void that you only knew how to fill another harder way and so that's wonderful I I love that something that a lot of us might not be able to put into words that that would come from farming that's just really life-changing because that stays with somebody Mm -hmm. 
And it's something that they can go to. It's not, you know, it's not a far away uh, rehab place that you have to have money to go stay at. It's not, you know, something that's unaccessible. You know, gardening and farming, you know, you've got a little plot of land or a little container and you can you can get those benefits. And so, you know, teaching people that skill is really gratifying because, you know, you're teaching them something that they can use in whatever form they need to later on in life, whether it is actually food production or if it is just like a therapy sort of thing, you know, maybe they just get really into flowers and that's beautiful, you know. So but it's a skill that is in the city, especially is hard to reach, which is, you know, with the urban farming, it was like I always just thought, you know, if they just if there was just a place, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be pushed on people. But if there was just a place that people could drive by and see it and it was prettier than it used to be, like to me, that felt like that would matter, like that would be a good thing. Now there's a CSA that you all are doing with yes. Century Harvest Farm. Mm-hmm. Will you just tell us about that and how people can get involved? Absolutely. So we are doing a CSA, which is new to Century Harvest. Of course, we have our farm fresh eggs and our grass-fed beef and all that in our farm store. But through the vegetable production side, we are now introducing a CSA, a bi-weekly or weekly option, from April 29th to November 18th. And that's just centuryharvest.org backslash CSA. For more questions, my email is on the website. So yeah, and we have a pickup in Greenback um, on Tuesdays. And then we have a pickup at Knox City Farm on Thursdays from 4 to 6, both nights. That's wonderful. And what are the dates again on that? So it's April 29th through November 18th. What are the dates for signing up for the CSA? We would love to have a, a, a close estimate of how many shares we actually have by the end of March. People can still sign up into April. We do have a option on our website that if you would just like to donate, we do have um, several people inquiring about um, shares that are subsidized. And so in the past with other CSAs, you know, we've had folks donate money and then that helps kind of sponsor somebody um, who may need some help purchasing their share. We would so appreciate that as well. And there's an option on the sign up page of the CSA to do that as well. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. Our guest today has been Brenna Wright. Brenna has recently joined her urban farm, Knox City Farm, with Century Harvest Farm Foundation of Greenback, Tennessee. Brenna teaches program participants how to grow food at Century Harvest Farm Foundation, and this combines her skills of social work with agriculture to make a positive impact in people's lives. And as you have just heard, they are also offering their CSA for this current growing season. And ideally, they would like to have all signups complete by the end of this month of March 2021. More information, centuryharvestfarms.org. And as always, I've placed pictures of Brenna links to Century Harvest Farm Foundation, where you can find information about the CSA that's being offered, along with links to all of today's guests and the podcast of this show at TennesseeFarmTable.com. And uh, Century Harvest Farm used to be a sponsor of the Tennessee Farm Table, but they currently are not financial supporters of this show. This is just a positive story, and I hope that you found that story with Brenna inspirational because urban farming can pretty much take place anywhere, wherever you might be listening from. Up next is our friend Fred Sossman from Johnson City, Tennessee, with his Potluck Radio series. 
Today, it's about lemonade with North Carolina food writer Fred Thompson, author of the book Lemonade. And after that, I'd like to share a simple recipe for a delicious treat for sweet potato biscuits. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. I want a real sweet start with a little tart kick at the end. North Carolina food writer Fred Thompson is speaking of lemonade. One good quick tip about lemons and getting the maximum amount of juice out of them, don't take them right from the refrigerator and start trying to juice them. The juice wants to stay in there. Leave them out on the counter for a while to come to room temperature. Or if you want to, you can throw them in a microwave for about 10 to 30 seconds to warm them up. Once they're at room temperature or slightly warm, then kind of give them a gentle roll and you're breaking the membranes on the inside. I like using super fine sugar. I tend to put the sugar in the water, dissolve that first, and then put the lemon juice in there. I do like to take the rinds and throw them in the mixture and let it sit for a while. It's almost like I'm trying to steep the lemon oil out of the rinds. The real vibrant bang lemon flavor is in that oil that's that's in the rind. I never have understood how the lemon market works. In January, lemons are dirt cheap, and maybe the last thing we're thinking about then is a good glass of cold lemonade. In July, they're the most expensive they can be all year. Also, typically in January, the lemons are a little better. They have more juice. So I kind of got in the habit of, of making this lemonade concentrate and freezing it and then pulling that out in June and July and August. Look for small lemons. They tend to have more juice. The larger lemons are all for show. Look for ugly lemons. I think lemonade works well with all the different types of southern barbecue from Texas to North Carolina to Memphis. It works really well with fried chicken because the acidity kind of helps cut any greasiness that's in there. Fred Thompson is the author of the book Lemonade. For Potluck Radio, I'm Fred Saussman. Here is a recipe for sweet potato biscuits. This recipe comes from the magazine that's at the register at our local hardware animal supply store, and I want to be sure to give the person who wrote this recipe credit. The recipe comes from Johnny Beth Nolan. Here are your ingredients. Two cups cooked sweet potatoes, one cup of sugar, three cups sifted all-purpose flour, one cup shortening, three tablespoons of buttermilk, one teaspoon baking soda, four teaspoons baking powder, one and one-fourth teaspoon of salt. And here are the directions. First, you want to mash your cooked sweet potatoes with the sugar while they're hot, and then let this stand until it's cool enough to handle. Add all your dry ingredients to your flour, and then cut your shortening into that. Then incorporate all of your other ingredients, but be careful not to overwork your dough or or it will produce more gluten from the flour and can make your biscuits sort of tough and not as fluffy and light. Roll this out on a floured surface to about one half inch of thickness and cut with your biscuit cutter or your favorite biscuit cutting glass and bake on a cookie sheet at 425 for 10 to 15 minutes. 
these go really well with country ham for breakfast or as a dinner roll with roasted vegetables and pork roast. So there you have it, a fairly simple recipe for sweet potato biscuits. And if you didn't get all that, I have this recipe written out on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. And again, this recipe comes from Johnny Beth Nolan. This is Brenna Wright of Knox City Farm and Century Harvest Farm Foundation. And you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.